This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. We've got Saints and Pelicans to talk about today on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, everybody, I'm Sean Kelly. Welcome in and greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive. Come to you from the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. And uh, we've got a couple of great guests for you on this Thursday. Uh, both of our guests are kind of Saints-related, and then we'll take you through last night's Pelicans season opener against the Denver Nuggets. But our two guests today are Christian Garrick from Saints Radio and WWL AM and FM. Uh, Christian will give us the latest on the Saints and the Seahawks coming up this weekend. Uh, Christian has a couple of notes uh, that are relevant uh, not only for today, but that he uh, projects to be factors on Sunday. And then, of course, this weekend is Saints Hall of Fame Induction Weekend. It's a, basically a three-day affair. And so we welcome in Ken Trahan to uh, break it all down for us and offer his thoughts on this class, which will uh, feature the posthumous inductions of Will Smith and Hokey Gaijan. Uh, the induction itself will be tomorrow out in Kenner, I think, at the Chateau Country Club. And then that means an event tomorrow, a gala on Saturday, and also uh, basically the festivities surrounding the football game on Sunday. Lots of Saints alumni are in town for this event. It'll be an emotional weekend, but certainly also a celebration of the black and gold as well. So Christian Garrick and uh, Ken Trahan today uh, to talk Saints Seahawks and then, of course, Saints Hall of Fame. The Pelicans are 0-1. They lost by five last night to the Denver Nuggets in the season opener for both. Uh, it was a game that uh, saw the Pelicans play much better in the second half than they did in the first half. In fact, outscoring the Nuggets in the second half and uh, overcoming a double-digit deficit, but they do fall short by five. 107-102 was the final score. The Pelicans went three of 19 from three. Okay? <laughs> that didn't help. And we knew that the rebounding would be a problem against that huge Denver lineup. But uh, tucked away in there, of course, is the uh, effort in the second half. And not to be hidden by any means is the fact that Anthony Davis had 50 points last night. It's the second time Davis has gone for 50 or more in his career. He also had 16 rebounds, a career-high seven steals, five assists, and his 34 field goal attempts ties his career high. And you'd think that the Pelicans would win uh, after that 50-point performance, but there wasn't too much help otherwise on the scoring end. Tim Frazier also had a double-double last night. He was the next leading scorer with 15 points, and he also added 11 assists in the ball game. Uh, you'll hear uh, both Anthony Davis here and head coach Alvin Gentry in just a moment, uh, and I think that you'll hear a little bit of the frustration in that they lose the first game despite the big performance, uh, or you know, in light of the big performance, by Anthony Davis, but I think there are some things that they're encouraged about as well. Let's start with head coach Alvin Gentry. This is coach uh, on the Pelicans radio network last night following the five-point loss. Coach, the unexpected, uh, certainly, <laughs> when you talk about season openers, what were the uh, the key factors in tonight's game? Uh, you know, I thought early on uh, they pounded us a little bit on the inside and uh, with their big guys, but uh, I thought we, res we responded and uh, did a good job. Uh, we, uh, we, we gave up too much, uh, too many baskets in the paint early on. I thought the dribble penetration hurt us is something that, that I thought we took care of the second half and, uh, did a good job with. And then, uh, 
you know, the, the, the rebounding, you know, the rebounding just, they, it really hurt us. You know, the offensive rebounding and then just uh, the most inopportune things. But, you know, what happens is that, uh, you know, I thought we played a great second half, but we, we, when you spot them 13, you know, then it has to be the perfect storm. And, you know, even when we made a couple of runs here and there, uh, you know, they always came up with a shot to kind of keep us off balance a little bit. But, uh, you know, obviously I thought AD played great, uh, did a lot of good things for us. Uh, we had some, you know, Tim Frazier, I thought, did a good job. We, we have to make some of the other shots. If they're going to commit three guys to, uh, to AD, then we got to have guys step up and make shots. But I thought overall, I, I mean, I like the effort, uh, especially in the second half. But obviously we got to make enough plays to try to get over the hump. Coach, if you, if you, if you had a better night at the three-point line, would that, could that have been a difference tonight as those numbers were, were down probably? Yeah, we didn't shoot it well at all. I mean, you know, three for 19, I think, is what we were. And uh, we're a better shooting team than that. Uh, but I just thought that, that w when they needed a big play, they came up with a big play. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of opportunities to tie the game. We had a couple of opportunities to, you know, the, to, to get it close enough to make them feel us you know, with five, six, seven minutes left, and we just weren't able to do that. Well, you were able to change the game a bit in the second half. Were, were your players feeding off of what Anthony had been doing all night long? Well, no, I think what happened is that we just got a little more aggressive defensively, and, uh, you know, we changed a couple of things from a game plan standpoint, and uh, uh, we tried to make sure that if they were going to play big guys that, uh, that we got the ball to Anthony in space, and I thought AD did a great job in space of uh, making right decisions. So, uh you know, it's, it's, it's one game, and I think we learned from it. Uh, we just got to get better, as I said, with the dribble penetration, and we got to get better on the rebounding side of the ball. We're going to hear more from Coach Gentry tonight, and I'll share that uh, news with you uh, before we're done on this Thursday. And now Anthony Davis, who didn't necessarily, necessarily speak about uh, porting 50 on the board last night, but just more about the game itself and uh, and what he took away from it. I mean, it's tough. You know, um... Had some chances. I think we just you know, gave him too many easy looks in the beginning of the game. And so the whole second half, you know, we played tremendously, but just trying to fight back. And I mean, there had a couple, you know, tough plays. Made that crucial turnover where we had a chance. So um, it's on me. I can't. I got to just be more patient. Can't. You know, just try to break out and then turn the ball over. So. Um, you just got to learn from it and just try to get ready for Friday. The rest of the team besides you, I think, shot 21 of 58. What do you think was the reason for that? Does that, does that concern you? Or? No, I think we had some good looks. We just missed shots. Um, you know, shots that all them guys work on, you know, and so I think they're going to fall. But um, like I said, we, we was there. We gave ourselves a chance. We just got to play like how we played in that third and fourth quarter. Um, in the beginning of the game, you know, I thought we started to pick it up through the second, through you know the second half. But you know, we can't. You know, I don't say we came out flat. You know, because you know we did, and we just um, just had to be a little bit more physical. It seems like the small lineup was really effective for you guys tonight, and helping you get back into the ball game. Is that something that that you felt that that lineup was more versatile? Yeah, I think um, it just allowed us to switch everything, just stay in front of our men. So um, you know. Just looking at different lineups, I think that was a good lineup for us. Um, just trying to, you know, keep them out the paint. You know, I think they, you know, in the first half had 30 points in the paint. So, um, 
and he had 60 points total in the first half, so that's half their points. So we can't allow them to get in the paint. So we made a great adjustment, gave ourselves a chance to win. Um, once again, I had that turnover, which probably cost us the game. So um, just got to learn from it and just try to you know, move forward to Friday. All right, so the Pelicans 0-1. We'll get set to host the Golden State Warriors tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. We'll talk about the game in depth tomorrow uh, on the Black and Blue Report. And keep in mind that's an 8.30 tip-off at the Smoothie King Center tomorrow night. Why so late, you're asking? Well, national TV. ESPN will have the television side of it uh, tomorrow night. And it's the start of a back-to-back, a brutal one for the Pelicans that concludes on Saturday night against the San Antonio Spurs. Alvin Gentry show is tonight. I'll give you the details on that in our final segment. Well, let's take our first break, though, and get into our Saints conversation today. Christian Garrick is up first to talk about Saints and Seahawks this weekend. Pelican's opening week is finally here, and you'll want to be in the Smoothie King Center as Anthony Davis and your pals take on Steph Curry and Kevin Durant with the Golden State Warriors this Friday, October 28th at 8.30. Pre-game activities start off the night at 6 p.m. with Pelican's Fest, featuring live music by Bottoms Up, interactive games, appearances by Pierre and the Pelican's Dance Team, and a special halftime show featuring Rebirth Brass Band. Win the night with your family and friends. Visit pelicans.com for tickets today. From sunup to sundown, there's no end to the great time you'll have at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Join us October 26th through 30th at the Country Club of Jackson for a full course of action. From first-class golf to fan-pleasing fun and, of course, lots of fresh, delicious 100% natural chicken. All to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. So don't miss a single stroke of excitement at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Saints Seahawks this weekend. Let's continue our conversation as we get ready to go for that. Of course, we're still going to talk Saints Hall of Fame with Ken Trahan next segment, but we welcome in the sideline reporter from Saints Radio and, of course, double coverage host and fans in the pro host and uh, everything else over at WWL AM and FM. Uh, That's Christian Garrick. You know him because you hear him all the time. Are you ever off? Uh, occasionally, but you know what? I prefer it that way, man. I, I, I dig this stuff. I love it, especially football season. So I want to be all the place, and it's certainly by design. But at the same time, man, it's, you know, it's part of what, what I wake up for. Uh, it's just it's tremendous fun. So yeah. uh, I don't mind. You've got your work in for this weekend. Um, and so, therefore, let me ask you this on this Thursday. Uh, kind of, I guess, we'll start wide and, and work our way in. Give me your headlines here for the Saints uh, as we get closer and closer to this weekend's game with Seattle? Well, it has to be the return of Jimmy Graham to New Orleans, right? That would be number one. Um, you know, that trade, that shocking trade on the first day of the league year in 2015 when they sent Jimmy Graham to Seattle to acquire Max Unger, who's worked out, I think, beautifully for the Saints, but then acquiring the 31st overall pick in round one that year. Um, and, and that turned into Stephon Anthony, who has been a bit of a disappointment, to, to be honest. Um, 
And so I think that would be the headline, his, his coming home, uh, back home, a dome coming, if you will, for Jimmy Graham and how the Saints defense is going to match up against uh, a Seattle offense that has dealt with some injuries and not quite the explosive rushing attack that we saw under beast mode, uh, but still a very, very good defense. And I was doing some numbers. The other thing is, the other headline would be, man, Seattle's defense, how do you stay that good for that long? They've dominated, been at the top of the NFL, in total defense, passing yards allowed, rush defense, sacks, pressures, and turnovers since 2012. And that's hard for a defense, in particular at a day and age for the NFL where it's gone to a more of a pass-happy league and, and it's so much more catered and tailored around the offense. To have that kind of success is remarkable, I think. And in particular, well, you've, I think you've had two different defensive coordinators over that span as well. So. Uh, those are a quick down and dirty, my, my headlines leading into this ballgame for the Saints. And also one more, um, I, I just think it has to be the Saints have to figure out a way and find a way to battle through some of these injuries and and find ways to, to win ball games when you're putting up the right numbers, just like last week against Kansas City. Um, you're putting up overall some pretty decent numbers, but the turnovers and the penalties have to be cleaned up. I mean, that's two weeks in a row they've had double-digit penalties. Yeah, no doubt. And, and when they're – Playing on the razor's edge that they have had to do uh, almost in every ball game, Christian. Those things tip the balance in a hurry, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's, when you're and look, I'm not saying that they're talent deprived, like it's so bad. But my point is, when you don't have a big margin for error because there's a bit of a talent deprivation, you don't have that margin for error. Look, those 09, 10, and 11 teams, I've seen them. I saw them. I watched them. They could turn the ball over two times and come back and win the ball game. All right? They could commit 10 penalties and come back and win the ball game. They could overcome those things. Heck, against San Francisco in the divisional round of the uh, 2011 year, and they turned the ball over five times and almost won that ball game. So, but that just goes to show you they were immensely talented. This team is not. So they, have, they almost have to play perfect in order to win games. I truly understand, Christian, that obviously the Saints offense, which has been fantastic at home, versus the Seattle defense that you just described is, is really the number one on-the-field storyline. Uh, you know, No disrespect to Jimmy Graham and all that because that will take care of itself. But can, can you just take a moment and discuss what happens on the flip? And that is, of course, what the Saints defense will have to do against Russell Wilson and the Seattle offense. Well, I think that because of Russell Wilson's injuries, he's got a pectoral injury he just suffered Monday night. He's been dealing with an ankle injury and a knee injury. That that element of his game that was so prevalent the last couple times these two teams have met, and that his and I'm talking about his ability to extend plays, get out of the pocket, move around a little bit. I think that ability is going to be hampered a little bit because of those injuries, and that, that bodes well for the Saints. And in particular, they can't they haven't run the football with great effectiveness. And you know, usually when you know teams can do that, in particular against the Saints. That's when you see big plays down the field over the head of, of defenders in the passing game is when you know, their play action and passing game is working really well. But if you don't have to respect the run or if you're, if you're not having success in the run, you can't call those plays from an offensive standpoint. And, and I think that this defense or this, this Seattle offense against the Saints defense is actually a better matchup than I feel like, ironically enough, than the Saints offense against Seattle's defense. I just don't like the way Seattle's defense has matched up against New Orleans traditionally. They've, they've always kind of had their number. They're really physical, and, and they know how to um, – I don't want to say they know how to defend Drew Brees. That's not my point. I just, I just feel like the matchups don't bode well 
when you're talking about the offense of the New Orleans Saints against the defense of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, they make teams uncomfortable in a big way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's an interesting parallel after we watched the Pelicans lose last night to Denver and Anthony Davis scores 50 in the loss. Uh, and then here's Drew Brees having just an unbelievable year so far. And, and, and there seems to be this parallel that continues to, to, to emerge between a guy like Davis and a guy like Brees in that when both teams are dealing with significant and key injuries and both teams are dealing with uh, young but up-and-coming uh, position players that these two guys have to play all world uh, even to give themselves a shot at winning the game. Uh, does does Drew Brees keep this pace up on the Saints' side? It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, look, I think he does. Uh, I just think that he's that dialed in. He's just that good. Um, and it is interesting. We were talking about it last night on Double Coverage. you got two franchises that have mega superstars in Anthony Davis and Drew Brees. And you said it perfectly. They've got to play all world for their teams to have a chance. I mean, look, if you removed Drew Brees from this from this Saints team, they're 0-6. Let's face it. If you removed Anthony Davis from the Pelicans, they would probably be in the in the running for the number one pick or the lottery pick. Um, you know, that, that that's how different. That's how much of a difference both of those guys make. And it's frustrating to a degree because you go, man, Drew Brees at 37. You start to think, well, maybe there's some drop off, so you're going to have to build your team. Uh, around him a little bit, or you might have to start reinventing the wheel a little bit. No, if he could just get a complimentary defense, man, this team could make the playoffs. Same thing with Anthony Davis. If he gets, you know, a little help on, on, from his teammates, man, they're an eighth seed in, in, in the Western Conference for sure. So it, it, it is interesting, the parallels, and it's frustrating, though, from a fan base standpoint, uh, because you see these superstars and you go, man, you feel like you're, they're being wasted, if you will. Yeah, and, and, and here's the other crazy next chapter of that. Is that obviously the you know the Pelicans are zero and one? Let's be real about this. But if they have any better health than they've had the last two years, they could contend for an eighth seed because of a guy like Davis. And then on the flip side with the Saints thing, Christian, maybe I'm just maybe because I work for the team and all that. But I'm looking at it, and on the surface, it would be so easy to say two and four. Let's just let's just look for signs of progress and move on to this next stage of the of the of the process, if you will. But yet, when I look at the division and the fact that Atlanta's got Green Bay this weekend, Carolina's got Arizona, and Tampa Bay has to play an Oakland team that's fared very well, this isn't unrealistic. This isn't crazy to think that we can hang on to something here even through these coming weeks. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. But that's been the the issue, though, Sean. To, To that, I would say, well, it's been the Saints of the last two years, three out of the last four, where they're going to get you excited. You're going to have some reason to hope, and then they're going to let you down. And then you're going to get excited again because they're going to get on a little bit of a roll or a mini roll, win two games in a row, and then they're going to take you know a few steps backwards. So, uh, you know, I, I really – and I don't mean to sound jaded, Sean, uh, but I just I just feel like this team looks a lot like the teams we've seen the last couple of years, albeit I think better than a 7-9 and nine team a year ago. But I think going to have similar results. I've said that really since the schedule came out in April because of how difficult it was in particular – this stretch that they're in right now, it started with what I thought was going to be a tougher game against the Carolina Panthers, and then you know, we saw it last week against Kansas City. Uh, but, man, you get excited, but then there's, there's, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop with the Saints right now. In other words, they get a couple of wins, and then you go, all right, well, wins are going to come back down to reality because you know it's only a matter of time before they do. 
Christian Garrick from Saints Radio and WWL with us uh, here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, hey, buddy, I want to ask you to pick a winner this weekend, but I will ask you to uh, to perhaps make a uh, a uh, a guess on whether or not we're going to see the type of game that the Saints seemingly have played week in, week out. That's one score or less, kind of a thrilling type finish, win or lose. Are we going to see that again repeat this weekend? Yeah, I think you will. You know, Seattle's favored by two and a half. I always kind of go uh, lean uh, towards what Vegas is saying. There's a reason why they, they come up with those spreads and they're so good at it. I think you're going to see that. Lower scoring, though, I don't think you're going to see one of these 41-38 shootouts uh, just because Seattle's defense is that good. And I think Seattle's offense is struggling a little bit. They're only averaging 18 points a game. Uh, so, I, you know, this this game wouldn't surprise me if it was in the, uh, you know, the 21-17 variety in that area. Does, uh, do the Saints get anybody back from injury, you think, this week? You know, I, I'm optimistic that maybe Delvin Bro could, could end up uh, playing. And the more and more I think about it, uh, and talking to Danelle Ellerby uh, earlier in the day yesterday, you know, I think I think he's going to play this Sunday. And it's just me speculating, and I know maybe that's not the necessarily the wisest thing to do, but it sounds like, just going by the conversation I had with Danelle Ellerby yesterday, it sounds more and more likely that he's going to return just because he's much more upbeat about it. He says he's very close. I even asked him, I said, well, I know Sean Payton has the ultimate decision and the trainers have the ultimate decision as to, you know, whether you do indeed play on Sunday, but if it were up to you and you, and you were the only one making this decision, would you play? And he says he, he, he would make the decision. And he feels like he could play if it was his decision. Hey, one more thing before I let you go, and I'm not trying to play to the crowd here, but it is about the crowd. Um, you know, the last two meetings between these two teams were up in Seattle, and all we heard about is how tough it is to play there and how the crowd played a factor in both of those games. Wouldn't it be nice for the Saints fans to turn around and give them a little taste of their own medicine this weekend? Oh, without a doubt. Listen, I, when, when this schedule came out in April, a part of me was going, man, I'd like for the Saints to be 4-2 and two or 3-3. Three and three. And, you know, look, I know it's not a huge difference between 2-4, and four, but, yeah, Saints fans have wanted this team in Seattle – in New Orleans for quite some time. Three of the last matchups have been in Seattle. The, the Seahawks haven't been to the Dome, uh, what, I believe, since 2010. And then the Saints went up there that year and lost in the divisional round of the playoffs uh, after they had beaten the Seahawks in the regular season. So, yeah, I, I think that Saints fans, who that nation has wanted Seattle in that Dome because Seattle boasts about how the 12th man, et cetera. Well, it gets pretty raucous and loud uh, in the Superdome as well. And I think it'll be there – for the taking in terms of the crowd if the Saints give the crowd a reason to stay engaged in that ballgame. All right. I'm with you on that. I'd like to see some folks kind of foaming at the mouth um, on Sunday. Hey, enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see you this weekend, Christian. All right, Sean. Thanks again. Saints and Seahawks, noon, Sunday, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We'll talk with Ken Trahan from the uh, – there goes Christian. Boy, I'll tell you what, that man's on the move, isn't he? Uh, we'll talk with Ken Trahan and, the, and, uh, and get in-depth about Saints Hall of Fame induction weekend when we continue. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. 
But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Don't miss any of the New Orleans Pelicans action this season. Pick the four games that are right for you. The Pelicans Pick 4 plan presented by Domino's guarantees seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA, including matchups against Golden State and Cleveland. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. To pick your four games, visit pelicans.com today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Welcome back to Black and Blue Report. Uh, we're conversating a lot about, the, of course, the football game this weekend, but this is also Saints Hall of Fame induction weekend. It's a big weekend on the calendar for all of us who cheer on the black and gold and have an appreciation for its history, but I don't know if it's a weekend any bigger, maybe except for the inductees and their families, uh, than the man who runs everything over there at the Saints Hall of Fame, and that's our good friend, Ken Trahan. I hope you're rested up and you've eaten well the last few days, uh, Ken. Uh, rest is a rumor, first of all. So thanks for having me with you. So that's not happening. Eating, unfortunately, I do way too much of that. So, uh, But uh, I'm glad to be with you, and I appreciate you talking with me. We're talking about a big weekend in that there seems to be something every day, Ken, and, and rightfully so. This is truly a celebration for those of us who love football in this city. Well, it is, and this is it's a labor of love. You know, we were able to get this going. Uh, we opened the doors on July 16th of 1988 in the historic district of Rivertown, Kenner, and we moved the museum to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in 2007, and we renovated it in tremendously significant fashion for this season in conjunction with the 50th anniversary. It's beautiful. And the response has been overwhelming, and we have a former player appearing each and every week at the museum. Uh, two hours before game time this week, it'll be St. Hall of Famer Stan Brock that'll be signing autographs and, and available for pictures from 10 a.m. until 11.15. And admission is free on game days for fans uh, to see the museum if they have a ticket to the game. So that's a caveat and a, and a reward for people that support the New Orleans Saints. And then during the week, we're open by appointment only at a cost of $7 per person. $5 for seniors, military, and children under 12. So that's the museum part. With the Hall of Fame induction, we're really excited this year. It's it's going to be an emotional time, Sean, because our media selection committee does a great job. We convene once a year. There's spirited debate, and then we come up with good solutions, and the, uh, the people involved do a wonderful job. They care about it. That's first and foremost. And this year, it just, you know, God had a plan, right, as, as people would say, because – the election took place at the end of February, and Will Smith was elected unanimously to the Saints Hall of Fame, and Hoki Gaijan was elected unanimously to receive the Joe Jamelli Florida Lee Award for his contributions to the organization. And we all know what happened within a month and a half time on both fronts. And what happened, of course, had nothing to do with their honor. Uh, this was done before that. It just ironically worked out this way. So this will be the first time ever that we've had two honorees in posthumous fashion. So that in itself is strange and it's unfortunate and, and a bit sad, but this is going to be a celebration of what they accomplished and who they were with regard to their 
contributions which were immeasurable to the New Orleans Saints organization. Will Smith was a terrific player, fourth all-time in sacks in franchise history, part of a Super Bowl championship team, a pivotal part, and part of an NFC championship game appearance team as well. And Will was also here during that very, very difficult time after Hurricane Katrina. So there was so much that this man had invested in this organization on and off the field. And, you know, of course, ironically, he was going to be working for the Saints this year. So uh, just a really unfortunate and sad story that, of course, is still playing out. But Raquel Smith and the children will be here, and, and we're sure looking forward to making it the very best experience for them that we possibly can because uh, they deserve it and Will Smith deserved it. And with regard to Hokey Guy, John, as you know, he's a beloved individual because he's a Louisiana native, you know, uh, Baker High School and then LSU and drafted by the Saints as an afterthought in the 10th round. And every step of the way, he was not big enough, wasn't fast enough, and wasn't going to be that guy. And every step of the way, he disproved everybody. He became a really good football player with the Saints and had a serious knee injury against Seattle in 1985. I still remember the play. And never could come back from it. Unfortunately, he became a scout for the Saints and did a fine job in that capacity and then ultimately matriculated to the broadcast booth, which you can appreciate, and did the color on the Saints radio network for 15 years and unfortunately incurred the illness he incurred. And we lost him and Will within days of each other back in April. Of course, Judy Gajon and the children will be there. And, and again, we want to make this a celebration of what they were able to accomplish. And luncheon is Friday at noon at Chateau Country Club in Kenner. Uh, which is a really nice venue, and very select tickets available. You know, at uh, uh, the tickets would be uh, $60 a person, and, and again, uh, we've really cut it off uh, for sales for that, but if one or two individuals want to come, we can certainly accommodate them by calling 471-2192. That's 504-471-2192. And then our gala Saturday evening is a big hit. We've got uh, 50 former players that have committed to attend, and we're still getting them, by the way. And we have 28 restaurants and caterers that are catering the events that we tell people to bring their appetite and come enjoy themselves because it's a really nice event at Club 44 and Encore at Champion Square. And we have a silent auction of significant sports memorabilia. We have door prizes to give away. And, of course, people have a chance to meet all these prominent former players and pictures with them, autographs. We'll have sensations there. So it's a really nice event. Of course, these events benefit the nonprofit St. Hall of Fame Museum in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And on Sunday, of course, the game with the Seahawks at noon. Uh, the pregame, uh, well, first we'll have Stan Brock signing autographs at the museum, as mentioned, from 10 to 11.15. And then we'll introduce our alumni on the field prior to the game. And then at halftime, the uh, reenactment uh, celebration of the honoring of Will Smith and Hopi Gaijong, which will include their families on the field and, and uh, video on the big boards. So it's a big weekend. We certainly look forward to it. We have now eight major events a year and coming, so I'm getting, getting tired talking about it. Frankly. But that said, uh, this is the culmination because the, the best thing we do is to honor those that contributed significantly to the New Orleans Saints over the years, and this is that weekend. Ken, I don't want to sit here and discriminate between one class or another, but because of obviously the emotional loss of these two men, in, in in the recent months, um, you know, within the last year, obviously, but also because of the proximity of their contributions and their association with the Saints family, uh, it seems to be, to me, uh, more timely than perhaps other honorees. In, in that sense, does that make this class a little different? Well, I think it does, certainly. I think when you consider the 
everything involved from their contributions to their close ties to the Saints organization, which were maintained after their playing days, yes, I would say absolutely. Last year was unusual because we had two New Orleans natives that were inducted at the same time. Coincidentally, I might add, in Michael Lewis and Tyrone Hughes. And how often is that going to happen when two guys that are born and raised in the town they ended up playing in the NFL for are inducted into a Hall of Fame at the same time? Well, it just happened that way. It wasn't by design. So that was pretty special. And we've had some other special years. But you talk about the immediacy of things and how both Will Smith and Hokie Gaijon were still involved with the Saints well after their playing days because Will hadn't played a down for the Saints since 2012, and Hokie hadn't played a down since 1985. I think that gives you an indication. And, of course, the families continued to live here after their playing days. So I think, you know, they were part of the community and cared deeply about the community as well as the franchise. So I think from that perspective, yeah, this is this is special. It's, it's unusual, to say the least, and it's required some uh, some some special planning, as you might imagine, and how to make all this work. It's pretty hard to have an induction when you don't have either member there to be inducted, right? And the same thing happens with the halftime ceremony, where typically parade around in vehicles and drop them off at the center of the field and introduce them. Well, obviously that can't happen. So you got to change things around a little bit. So it's a unique circumstance. But again, considering the individuals involved, I would agree with you. I think this is certainly one of the more unique and special inductions we've had in the in the 29 years. So how do you do that, Ken? I'm curious, and, and forgive me for just not knowing, mm-hmm. in a posthumous situation, who who receives the the, the plaque yeah. or, or, or takes the yep. acceptance words uh, here in this weekend? Well, it's interesting because we have, we went over this in meticulous fashion to come up with the proper way to accomplish it, and what we ended up with was we, talking to Judy Gajon and Raquel Smith, we gave them both the opportunity and suggested it to them to select said individual or two that were special to their husbands. And that is happening on, on both fronts. With regard to Will Smith, uh, his best friend in the world, uh, will be speaking on his behalf, a gentleman by the name of Zach Williams, and then one other person will be speaking on his behalf there tomorrow as well, and that's Joe Vitt. And that's uh, Joe is going to leave practice to do this. Uh, Sean can't make it, you know, the Saints can't make it every year because they're practicing in midday at that time mm-hmm. when we have the induction. But it meant that much to the organization and the coach Payton and the coach Vitt for Joe to leave practice and, you know, get a note from his mother, right, so that he can be there. And then with regard, and of course, they're going to present, you know, the uh, the portrait with Tangs in the Hall of Fame permanently to Raquel Smith. And she's actually going to say a few words. With regard to Hokie Gajon, uh, Stan Brock, who was one of Hokie's best friends in the world and played with him, uh, who's coming into town and is making the appearance at the museum that day, is going to be speaking on his behalf. And so is Jim Henderson, who, of course, worked with Hokie in, in the broadcast booth for 15 years. So they're actually going to be presenting Hokie, and then Judy is going to accept the Joe Jamelli Florida Lee Award. So that's the way we were able to navigate it. We always produce videos of the honorees, and I think people will enjoy that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's... There's a few uh, wet eyes in the place, to be honest with you. But uh, it's one of those scenarios where we, we, we aim to do it right uh, and we aim to please. We're also going to have uh, a video encapsulation of our renovation of the museum that we're going to show people. And we have our in-memoriam feature we do every year where we 
we feature the people in the Saints organization that we've lost in the past year. And boy, this was a rough year, Sean. We, yeah. uh, of all the in memoriams we've done for 28 years, this is the longest one we've ever done. There were 12 people affiliated uh, directly with the New Orleans Saints that passed away in the last calendar year since our last induction. So it's pretty significant to see that, and it's sobering too. And we want to make sure that they're never forgotten, and that's why we do this every year. So, of course, the guys we're honoring are two of those 12. So yeah. uh, all that applicable, uh, there's going to be quite a few former players there that are going to be there on behalf of both guys. The alumni event is really the gala Saturday night, but quite a few are coming to the induction because they want to be there for these individuals. Well, tip of the cap to you, sir. It's a lot of work, I know, but you always do it in a first-class way. And and uh, thanks for the thorough rundown here today. I'm glad we got a chance to visit before this all starts tomorrow. Well, it's my pleasure, and I do want to say, finally, in closing, that the, the gala now, we will sell tickets at the door. We encourage people to come early if they want to purchase them at the door because we will be in not short supply but limited supply. So if you come early, you can purchase them at the door at $75, as mentioned, 28 restaurants, all these former players, great setting at Club 44 and Encore. Incidentally, two things that people ask. Parking, that's in Garage 1A on the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, a front side of the dome closest to Champion Square, Garage 1A. And secondly, the dress is not formal. Even though it says gala, it is not formal. It's business business casual, business dressy. So shirt and slacks, dress are fine, but don't need a coat and tie, don't need a tuxedo or anything like that. So those are two questions the fashion police ask all the time. So there you go. Well, I was going to ask it, so thanks for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Yep. Ken Trahan, Saints Hall of Fame. The weekend uh, really starts uh, tonight when everybody starts getting into town. Uh, and then the induction tomorrow, the gala Saturday, and, of course, uh, the festivities at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday. And, by the way, if you can't make any of these things, and, Ken, again, uh, as I let you go here, just go see the museum. The renovation's done. It's fantastic. Uh, if you're nostalgic like me, it's worth it, no doubt. Beautiful place. Uh, really encourage people to do the same. I think you you hit it right on. And again, four seven one two one nine two. That's five zero four four seven one two one nine two. Or go to our website at saintshalloffame dot com. That's saintshalloffame dot com. You'll find it. You want to know about the museum there. It'll be emotional this weekend, but Ken, my prayer is uh, for you and all involved to uh, to also enjoy the weekend as well. We plan on doing that. We we want to do that. I can assure you. All right, Ken Trahan, Saints Hall of Fame. And again, Will Smith and Hookie Gajan are this year's inductees. We'll take a break. We'll come right back and wrap up today's Black and Blue Report in just a moment. From sunup to sundown, there's no end to the great time you'll have at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Join us October 26th through 30th at the Country Club of Jackson for a full course of action. From first-class golf to fan-pleasing fun, and, of course, lots of fresh, delicious 100% natural chicken. All to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. So don't miss a single stroke of excitement at the Sanderson Farms Championship. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. 
Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. Hey, big thanks to our two guests today, uh, Ken Trahan from the Saints Hall of Fame and uh, Christian Garrick, obviously, from Saints Radio and WWL AM and FM. Daniel Salerson's jumped on the other microphone there. Well, not literally, but he's ready to speak into the I'm, other I'm microphone. cautious with it. Yes. I treat it nicely. Uh, Studio B is, of course, his, uh, his domain, so I wanted to have him come in. Uh, not only because he's sitting here with me, but also because he's the host of the Alvin Gentry Show tonight. And uh, the details are uh, worth going over with you here in our final segment of the Black and Blue Report. In case you have not heard yet, the Alvin Gentry Show is now one hour long. And it airs uh, for those in New Orleans on 99.5 WRNO-FM. That's the flagship of the Pelicans Radio Network. And Daniel, it's an hour long now because there's so much to do with regard to uh, Alvin Gentry and... Uh, also allowing the fans a chance to participate in our broadcast. Right, your conversation is so good with Alvin, we wanted to make sure we got enough of it, so we extended the show a little bit. Plus, we did want to hear from you, the fans, and also a chance for you to give you some tickets to future home games, which we'll have for you again tonight, as we'll be giving away two tickets to the game against the Phoenix Suns next Friday. Also a chance to get kind of a national perspective on this Pelicans team. So Ryan Rucco, who's part of the ESPN broadcast tomorrow night, um, when they take, we take on the Warriors, uh, I'll talk to him tonight about the game. And then also Jared Greenberg um, from NBA TV as they have the game on Saturday as well as Fox Sports New Orleans. Kind of get his take on the Pelicans as well. So lots of national perspective tonight. And, of course, your great conversation with Coach. Well, thank you very much. It's more about Coach than anything else. Right. But it sounds like you got lots going on there. Lots of good stuff. Yes. And uh, we had great participation last night during Pelicans OT. Um you gave away tickets then. You'll do it again tonight, so very cool. The goal is every game to give away some tickets. Well, so. Of course, there you go. Yeah. What do they owe you, by the way, in return? Uh, just call it. This is a good conversation. Good is conversation. And some snacks every now and then. Fair enough. Fair enough. As uh, Daniel mentioned, Ryan Rucco from ESPN tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Also, uh, Seahawks.com writer. Jack Boyle. Jack Boyle. Perfect. That'll wrap up our conversation. Uh, for the Saints and the Seahawks this weekend, and we'll continue our Pelicans conversation uh, heading into the weekend. Hope you'll join Cassie and Bree tomorrow. They'll be hosting this very podcast. Enjoy the show tonight. I'll be listening. Thank you. All right. Sounds good, and uh, hope you all have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. We'll see you next time here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.